Hello and welcome to another episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Joel Spence. And I'm Deborah Tarika. And this is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them. And here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. Yeah. Yeah. Our second mobile episode. Our second mobile episode, you're right. And our season premiere. Our season premiere. It's the second season. Can we... Can we believe it? I can believe it. <laughs> I mean, I put in all the work editing this and producing it. <laughs> <laughs> she lied. I lied. Joel does it all. Um, How was your break? Um, my break was great. Yeah? Yeah. It was good. Season two proves we still can't do small talk. No, but um, you asked me how my break was. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <clears throat> how was your break? I had a baby. <sighs> I had a baby. She's now not i mean she's still she's now 18. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a long break <laughs> so yes yeah, so how old is she now seven months currently but when this comes out yeah. she could be eight months yeah eight months nine, nine months. months yeah how's it going it's good has she's it changed teeth. your life no not at all <laughs> called it didn't called change it. my body's the same and my life is the same <laughs> <laughs> Great. so should we start with what particular song yes. is very, very important to me the song i picked is Hey Jealousy by The Gin Blossoms because it has a connection to our album that we're doing today. I like this song fine. I actually like it a lot now because of the experience I had with this song. Mm -hmm. But in, when did I? So Hollywood Park, the horse racing um, place, which is no longer yeah it's no longer there gone did you ever go to hollywood park i did not i imagine you're not a fan of horse racing <laughs> in general if i had to guess I do i strike you as a kind of person <laughs> they used to do something called fantastic fridays in the or like 2011 2012 it's like two dollar hot dogs and beer oh yeah you'd watch the horse races which is the first time and only time i've ever seen horse racing um and bet on it and stuff uh, and then there was a concert. There was like a summer concert series that they would do. So the two concerts that I've seen there were the Gin Blossoms, which was so fun um, because cool. this song, the second they played it, everyone lost their minds because yeah. this is the song that everybody knows. Yeah. Um, and the energy was so fun. The horse racing was done. We were there with like a huge group of friends. And, like it was just one of those moments. And then the other concert I saw, there was Devo. Oh. And Devo put on the most fun concert. And it was a bunch of like, half the people were, for both of these concerts, half the people there were fans, and then half the people were drunk and just happened to be there. A few of them were horses. (laughs) I don't know why they caught me off guard. (laughs) I didn't expect horses to be at the concert, but they were there. They were there, yeah. It was so fun. That's great. So when were the gin, do you, do you know when the gin blossoms were peaking? Uh, what uh, year? Late 90s, Late 90s, I that's think. what I, I thought, okay. Do you remember yeah. this song that much? Uh, hey, Jealousy? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was popular around the late 90s, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, like at the horse racing parks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you did go. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about it. Well, tell me, do you think it'd be all right? 
I've never been to a horse race. Really? Yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't be shocked because the only time I've been is these two times. I read Seabiscuit. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the closest I've gotten. Okay, let's move on to mine. It's a callback to another episode we've done where I looked at the year that the featured album comes out and I was nine-ish years old and looked at what else came out and it's, I'll be damned if it's another Air Supply song. Oh, it goes straight to my heart. <laughs> In contradiction to perhaps our, our featured artist, uh, Devo, this was really mainstream, I would say. I think a lot of radio stations had Devo and Air Supply in their playlist. Well, that's a yeah. good point, too. Yeah, they, it was so much more, I guess, diverse in style back then. Air Supply started the new wave and Devo finished it. I don't know. This nine-year-old kid loved uh, these two songs more than anything. This I wish I could have known you. All Out of Love. Sitting in the back of my van uh, being taken to soccer practice and <laughs> my mom having it on the radio and me just going, I don't understand about love. But they make you understand. Yeah, and in the album, it starts with uh, what was the previous one? I can't think of the other one. Uh, the one, the song that the you did? The other hit that, that I... Uh, something about love. It was yeah. love, yeah. Definitely in the title. Lost in love. Lost, Lost in, in love. love. Yeah. All out of love. <laughs> right, they're back to back on And how album. about that love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did someone say love? <laughs> They were always on solid gold. I, I feel like that they were like a that was their one of their regular TV performing type. Did you watch them on there? Yeah, Marilyn McCoo, Andy Gibb. Remember, uh, of course, you remember Madam. What was Boiling Flowers? Yes, I could. I'm I could. old. <laughs> <laughs> I watched something on YouTube where Madam was like a featured thing. I was like, oh, that was so fun. But they wouldn't, they shot it, but they shot him right next to the uh, the marionette. So you, they didn't just put Madam Wait, that was a marionette? Herself. Or what was it? I thought it was a like a little person. Oh, I don't, again, I've never seen this show and I feel left out, but I desperately want to know now. I, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Waylon. Waylon Flowers. Waylon Flowers. Uh, puppeteered uh, Madam, who, who, how would you describe Madam? Sort of like this body, older Hollywood-esque, almost Carol Channing type woman Got who it. always had this wisecrack and was, uh, but. In an you, evening gown or a bathrobe. Uh, oh, the bathrobe, or like just like this the, the silk. Pure guess, but based yeah. on everything you just described. Um, and she'd always lay this, like almost like a Joan Rivers burn on somebody, and then go. Who was the target audience for this show? Everybody? Solid gold or solid gold? I don't know. Are you describing the same? Is it this all honest, solid gold? I think she was also on like Hollywood Squares. Okay. Quite often. Okay. So it was like she would do the circuit of game show appearances. Got it. The puppet. 
Yeah. Okay. Those yeah, yeah. puppeteering. Yeah. Well, both of them. Yeah. 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 No, just the puppet. Let oh, remember when they broke this. up? Yeah. Ooh, that, was, that, <laughs> that did not work. <laughs> yeah, she needed him. Oh, it's so good. Now, this is the big note that he hangs on. God. Not doing it. Talk about air supply, am I right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now it's the most embarrassing night of your life. Hello, listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. If you're digging this podcast, please, please, please go to iTunes and rate and review. Deborah and I love doing this show, and good reviews help us continue to bring fun guests and great albums to you. Thanks to those of you who already have rated and reviewed. You know who you are. We know who you are. And we're looking forward to reading some new ones. And now... Okay. Our guest is a musician, satirist, actor. Is that how you pronounced it? Satirist? Actor. Actor, yes. <laughs> actor, yeah. Actor. Uh, writer, producer, and so much more. Originally hailing from Linwood, California. Is that That's correct? That's true. It is true. So yeah. says the album. So says right? the... <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Straight out of Linwood. Uh, he's... You can believe those album titles. They're all true. <laughs> <laughs> he's won five Grammys. And in 2018, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and can be seen this summer on his Strings Attached Tour starting in June. Oh, there's so much more, but we'd spend the entire episode talking about the wonderful stuff he's done. I just called all your career a stuff. <laughs> Apologize. It's <laughs> way more than just stuff. Ali Ekovic, thank you so much for talking with us today. My pleasure. Tonight. Welcome. Was all that true that we said? I, 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 yeah, I was fact-checking in okay. real time. I, think I it was hope all so. Time. Okay, good. Uh, so, Ali Ekovic, what particular album is very, very important to you? Oh, I don't know if this is the most important album in my life, but it's uh, 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 by a group that's very important to me, and it's maybe their best album. It's kind of hard for me to pick, but the album that I've chosen for this moment in time is Freedom of Choice by Devo. Great. Such a good choice. You gave us a lot of really good options. Uh, Some bands that I had never listened to before, or like I'm familiar with Frank Zappa, but not super familiar, although I went to high school with one of his kids. Oh, really? Does that count? That counts. (laughs) Dweezil? Yeah. Yeah. Good guess. You had a 25% chance. (laughs) (laughs) But you gave us a lot of good options. Um, And then we picked this one for you. Well, thank you. No, it's a good good pick. Freedom of Choice is the third studio album by Devo. It was originally released in May 1980 on the label Warner Brothers, produced by Devo and Robert Margaleff. So where were you when this album came out? I was in my senior year in college. uh, And I remember uh, I I not only had a shift on the college campus radio station, but at that point I also had a late night shift on KZOZ FM, which was their sort of uh, uh, alternative slash AOR station. Gotcha. Uh, And I remember when the album came in, I I had been a big uh, Devo fan up to that point and I was excited for the new Devo album. And uh, the first track on the album, Girl You Want, which I hear in my headphones right now, yeah. uh, was sort of my pick for the single. Because they didn't, they didn't give you the uh, album and say, here's the big single. You yeah. know, the radio stations are supposed to kind of like figure out the single. Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, this was sort of my pick to click. And I, I'm told that Warner Brothers Records also thought that this was going to be the big single. They did a video for it and everything. The band thought it was going to be the single. And then it was Whip It. But this was the one that I thought kind of 
had the most co- commercial uh, appeal. Yeah. In fact, I, I did this song uh, as a cover on my last tour. Last year, I did the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour. And every <laughs> single night of every single one of the 77 shows we did, we did a different cover song. And, and this was one of them. Oh, That's great. awesome. And it's so good. Yeah. It's the strongest start to an album that I can think of right now. Oh, yeah. Those first few chords that they're playing, it's like so, it's, it, it makes me excited for the whole album. So Whip It was the single, and then they tried for this, and it didn't Well, take, they, they, right? they did, they did a, a video for three songs. They did Whip It and this song, Girl You Want, and the, t- the um, title track, Freedom, Freedom of Choice. Choice. Right. I'm not sure if this was officially released as a single. It may have been. I think maybe it was more of a hit in Europe, perhaps. Yeah. But okay. in, uh, in the States, you know, Whip It is, you know, by far the, you know, the most iconic uh, Devo song ever re- released. Where were you in school? Uh, I was uh, in. I was at the California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo on the Central Coast. Were you studying architecture? Is that what I read? I was. Yeah, I was uh, just uh, trying to get my degree so I could proceed to never use it again. Yeah. <laughs> Had you already decided then that you weren't going to pursue? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. About sometime in my junior year in college, I thought I'm not going to be an architect, but I didn't really know what I was going to do because I didn't really realistically think I'd have a career, uh, you know, in the recording industry. That just seemed completely out of out of grasp. But right. I I didn't you know have any other plans other than well I might as well get the degree. I've been here for three and a half years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So were your tastes already in the, I don't know if I would, would you call Devo alternative? I mean, now new with our wave. ears, new yeah, wave. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it was, uh, I guess it was at the time considered new wave. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a reaction to uh, the disco scene because late, the late 90s, uh, a lot of pop music was uh, broken into, into a few different camps. Disco was was on the wane and this new music called um a new wave was really starting to take hold. And I think, I don't know if, if uh, my musical tastes were cemented sometime around the late 70s, but uh, some of my all-time favorite groups were ones that kind of came up during that period. Uh, Devo, Talking Heads, Oingo Boingo, B-52s, uh, all which were kind of associated with the new wave scene. But it was this new, vibrant, kind of strange uh, music, which really yes. I had an affinity for. Yeah, I, I remember we talked about this on the B-52's Wild Planet episode, because that's where I originally put the, the first Air Supply song. Um, how, for me, uh, at that age, I was pretty fascinated with Devo, B-52's, but par- along with it was just the shock of what they were doing, which seemed so disorienting, dis- disorientating, I guess, when I was so used to Air Supply. Right. Well, I'll do it, yeah. I, rem- I remember I was in college, like I said, and it might have been Devo, but I think it actually might have been the B-52s that I think about it. Uh, we, we didn't have a TV set in my dorm room, but there was a communal lounge where everybody would get together and watch TV, yeah. which is kind of a cool experience because you don't have that kind of experience where you're watching TV with a large group of people yeah. usually. Yeah. And we were watching Saturday Night Live, yep. and the B-52s came on and started playing, and I thought, this is really great. And a bunch of the uh, the college jocks were like, what is this garbage? <laughs> yeah. God! They, and they were like... 
like probably mad <laughs> that they had to watch this crazy stuff. And I thought, okay, I found my people. You know, yeah, yeah. right. What yeah. is we talked about this before yeah. and uh, just permission to be weird. Yeah, albums that give you permission to let go in the way that you aren't normally comfortable doing and uh that that's this album i mean that's devo that is b-52s that's you yeah it's it's, 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 like, it's sort of nerd rock it's sort of like making rock music for the disenfranchised in yes, a way uh, yeah. the outcasts yeah yes. yeah for sure and that's what i felt like watching these B- b-52s i remember very specifically the saturday night live performance because we were we my brother and i were staying up late and I, I just couldn't process it. Um, and, and I think another episode, David Bowie was in a dress. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, just my mind starting to crack open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the sort of jerkiness of the beats with both B-52s and Devo, like the they, they lend themselves to this new dance style that isn't as uh, smooth or elegant as disco. There's no, like, sexiness to it. It's just, like, yeah. it's pr- practical and weird. I don't yeah. know. Well, they, they called it, for, for this album in particular, they, I think they called it robotic funk yes. or, or robotic R&B because they were really <laughs> uh, inspired, honestly, by R&B for this particular album. Yeah. And in fact, uh, uh, the producer, Robert Margolf was yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was Stevie Wonder's producer. Right. Uh, and they wanted to do something uh, different from the first two albums. The first two albums were a bit more avant-garde. Uh, and the second album in particular was not a commercial success. So they thought, okay, this is our chance. The third album's make or break we have to do something yeah. that's going to be a bit more mass appeal. So while still keeping the same kind of Devo-esque lyrics and and concepts, they wanted to make it a bit more conventional and and uh, and danceable to in a way. Yeah, and, and it they is definitely is. Yeah. These basslines, they they're just doing things, and I'm once again branching out into stuff I don't know a lot about, but. Their bass lines are starting where they shouldn't and ending where they shouldn't, <laughs> and the, the keyboards are sometimes doing it, and right. not the not the actual traditional bunk instruments or whatever. Whatever this version of this album that you've shared with me, Whip It sounds like one or two even decibels above everything else. First, maybe it's just the. Oh, you mean actually mixed hotter than yeah, everything else? Yeah, yes, huh. yeah, like. Uh, I think it's just your version of the album. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe I just automatically turn it up when yeah, I know it's coming. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. When you actually turn up the volume knob, right. it gets louder. That's what it is. For these bass lines, they also decided for this album to do away with the, the live bass and do this uh, do the bass line uh, on a Moog synthesizer. Yeah. That's part of the sound. Uh, yeah. yeah, sort of ironically, their first two albums uh, were more guitar-based, and this is the first uh, album where they really embraced uh, synthesizers yeah. and, and sort of became, you know, one of the reasons why synthesizers are so connected with the whole new wave scene. Yeah, I think they... They might have just they created the template for 80s pop, synth pop, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Them in the cars, I think, with yeah. guitar and synth, they married those. So well. I think out of everybody, though, Devo is is uh, sort of the thing that's thought of uh, when you say the phrase new wave. And, and particularly the song Whip It, people think of the, you know, the flower pot energy domes. And they think mm-hmm. of the iconic suits. Uh, and it's, it's sort of shorthand for, oh, yes, that style of music. Yeah. yeah. 
Have you seen them in concert before? I have several times. In fact, one, um, one time I saw them, gosh, I, I was trying to remember where it was. I think maybe the LA Forum. It was some very large venue yeah. in Los Angeles. And I thought that, again, was sort of ironic because, you know, even though Whip It was a huge hit, it never cracked the top 10, which seems hard That's to believe amazing. because it's like one of the most Crazy. famous songs of all time. Yeah. Never cracked the top 10. This album, um, I think, barely cracked the top 40. Uh, so, so Devo, in terms of commercial success, never was huge, but I mean, their fan base is rabid, and they fill yeah. this major, huge, you know, venue in L.A. Wow. It's so weird, because I wonder if they had become, like, huge stars in that way, if that would have deterred them in some way, because they were so, like, everything just felt like a big art project. Yeah. Right. You know, so I wonder if, like, them being popular in the conventional way makes them not I don't know about that I mean they they were an an art rock band Uh, they were uh, loved by uh, rock stars of the late 70s Neil Young put them in the Human Highway movie I mean he was they're very hip and they were loved by kind of a core group of art nerds but it wasn't until this album that they really kind of hit the mainstream and I think Devo wanted people to hear them they wanted the radio play sure. it's not like they were like Anti, doing the yeah. Kurt Cobain thing like no I hate being famous yeah. it's like right. I think you know they would have been cool with, <laughs> with being yeah. very famous but yeah. uh, other things got in the way apparently yeah, yeah. when you did see them in concert are you watching them like as part of the crowd are you in the wings like how do you how do you concert? Um, <laughs> it, it depends on the group. Yeah. Uh, at, at the time that I saw Devo, I was definitely in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. You said they were at the Forum? Well, I was trying to remember that. Maybe it was it was in L.A. and it was a large venue. But was it, it a racetrack? It was not. <laughs> I did not see the racetrack. Okay. Were you surrounded by horses? No. <laughs> but that it still cool. could have been the Forum. I, I remember for, the, inter- for the, um, um, the music that they play when you walk into the venue, they played the uh, the Muzak version of Tebow's songs. That's amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then the whole show, the show was super theatrical. I mean, it was a big stage setup, a lot of action, a lot of energy. I mean, it, it was a show made for, you know, arenas and stadiums. Yeah. Well, it does feel like an experience more than a concert. Yeah. I, I watched part of a random video that was made in the 80s that was like of a concert that they did in Japan. And it was like they showed a movie beforehand about them. And it was very, it was just like an experience. Well, they, they've always had such a visual component. I mean, as, as you know, they, they'd been making uh, basically music videos all through the 70s, yeah. uh, which we get played on Midnight Special or whatever. Uh, and then when uh, this this album came out in 1980, which was the year before MTV started. And and back then, I mean, MTV was obviously a 24-hour music video channel, and nobody really was making music videos. Yeah. Nice. So in the early days of MTV, they played Devo in like heavy rotation. Because they had, they had yeah. no other choice. Yeah. But as soon as MTV started getting like videos from like quote unquote normal groups, Devo kind of fell by the wayside because it's sort of like, okay, well, we needed you then, but we don't know. Yeah, now yeah. we want sexy people on right. TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was watching a performance of Whip It on Fridays. Remember that? Uh, sure. And they're playing live, and that drummer has quite a task uh, for all of these songs. Oh, yeah. In Whip It. Um, and just also playing keyboards live instead of relying upon a sequencer or uh, any any pre-tape stuff was just so fun to watch. And I think in that performance, I don't know if he always did it live, and I don't, this may have been done in post, but uh, Mark uh, Mother's Mothersbaugh. Ba- 
is singing and then he makes the whip sound by hitting this keyboard. It, it doesn't matter what, what note you play, but it's the, right. the whip sound. Right. But he is sometimes with his like prop whip is the one that's actually just hitting that keyboard. And I like to think he's the one that's actually just live triggering it. Yeah. Um, and and he, because I there's never he never hits it without the noise happening and he sometimes hits it on a wrong beat. <laughs> so uh, it's so fun to watch them just go for it because it's a it's physical music like yeah it's not it's not just uh, five people just uh, stoically standing by themselves. You mentioned you mentioned the drummer Alan uh, Myers, uh, who was their their drummer for the first ten years, and then right. decided, for whatever reason, he didn't want to be in Devo anymore. <laughs> yeah. But he quit the, the band and uh, became an electrician. And, really? Uh, I, I, I I don't think I, I think he came to my house for a bid once for an electrical job. <laughs> That's so crazy. Did yeah. you recognize it? Like, did well, you, I knew I knew actually you knew that what? was kind of the reason I called him. Like, yeah. hey, maybe I can get like one of the Devo guys to fix my house. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Did you ever become, besides that, friendly with uh, the guys in the band? Yeah, or? I mean, not super close, but I've met uh, Mark and, and Jerry a, a yeah. bunch of times. Uh, I, I bumped into uh, uh, one of the Bobs just walking down the street. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we've, we've crossed paths. Sure. Oh, we have to mention... Yeah. Um, Dare to be Dare stupid. to be stupid, um, because it's such a great homage to Devo. It almost... I would believe it would fit on a Devo album because it's so perfectly oh, 100%. Uh, composed with heart. I'd love to hear them do a cover version one of these days. It would be... Or they do a parody. <laughs> or, or, or a parody. That'd be, I'd, I'd be fine with either one. That'd be amazing. Uh, it's such an excellent tribute. Well, thank you. It was a labor of love. I obviously had to uh, really study the, the diva oeuvre, which I already had been because I was such a big fan. But right. I, I tried yeah. to use as many little idiosyncrasies as I could yeah. for the song and for the video. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, as was documented in my Behind the Music years ago, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh was actually fairly impressed when he heard it for the first time. He just really thought that I'd kind of uh, yeah. kind of nailed the sound. Absolutely. What a what a cool thing to be able to like get that compliment from the yeah. person you're honoring. Yeah. Did you have a favorite song on this album? Uh, I know you, the uh, girl you want was. Girl like you the, want was probably my, I, and I did love uh, uh, Whip It as well, the, and the, the title track, uh, Freedom of Choice. Uh, there, gosh, there are so many good ones. Mr. B's Ballroom had a nice kind of vibe to it. That yeah. was a, uh, th- that was a remake. That the original demo was, I think, Love and Such, and they completely changed it uh, into Mr. B's Ballroom. Um, oh, it, it was it. It was their own song. It was their own song. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But it was just just sort of like they reworked one of their old demos. Gotcha. It feels like it's a a a look at. F- fraternity life to me without It feels much. that way, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it doesn't seem like there's a total, a lot of, like, a lot a lot of Devo songs have sort of a subtext or a hidden meeting or other other layers, and this one just seems like it's a, a song about debaucher, debauchery. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah it's right. not much else. Right. <laughs> They'd have a live album after this, and then... My first Devo album ever was New Traditionalists, which came on, which came out after the right. live album. A Beautiful World was such a great song to oh, me. Love yeah. It. yeah. 
Working in a coal mine was so fun. Did you continue to stay with them as they continued to release albums? Absolutely. In fact, I think when I saw that big LA show, wherever it was, I think it was at the New Traditionals tour because oh, they did cool. Working in a Coal Mine, and they did, uh, which which they did, I think there's some major scaffolding on the stage where they're like working on it. And uh-huh. um, what was the other song that you mentioned? Uh, Beautiful World. Beautiful World, yeah. There's a song on there called Going Under. I remember right. just walking around the, the playground with a friend of mine who had a little boombox, and we were just at recess just listening to that album <laughs> over and over again. That was a great. I think that's the first album they produced on their own because they'd worked with three different producers at their I first did. three albums, and they said, ah, we know how to do this. Yeah. When you get a new album... Do you, how do you listen to a new album? Headphones, usually. Yeah. Do you, do, do you start? But I mean, like... Do you listen to it backwards first? No. Uh, yeah, look at the satanic mask. But do you listen first. to it in the same way that you would have when you were in college? Does that make I, sense? I guess. I mean, it depends on the context. I mean, um, nowadays I listen to like a lot of music in my car, which uh-huh. uh, back in the day I, I may have uh, just taken it home and listened on my speakers or whatever. Um but yeah, I, I find that, especially now that I don't really um, use a use a turntable or even a CD player anymore, sure. like most of the stuff is just digital. I've got like a like a USB stick in my car, and that's where I, I usually like get a new album and go, oh, I'll have to rip it for my car. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's usually how I ingest new music these days. This podcast has uh, allowed us to just do nothing and listen to albums all in one go, which I we realized, oh, we used to do that a lot more frequently. Yeah. Um, do you have opportunities to, to do that besides the car? Or? Uh, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I've got a family, and, and yeah. usually if I try to listen to something in a stretch, like somebody needs something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> at some point. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, the car is also good because it's a little uh, inner sanctum. It's, it's where yeah. I can be alone with my thoughts and, and really focus on something. Do you actively seek out new music? Not as much as I used to. I have to say that, um, you know, I still enjoy new music. But, like, I, in my college days when I was doing college radio, then, like, like 100% of my life was about music. I, I was really, you know, tuned into, you know, what was going on. I was very knowledgeable in every aspect of music. And these days, as much as I still enjoy it, um, I, I tend to listen to stuff, stuff that I used to listen to in my college days. Yeah. It's sort of like, sort of like comfort food. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah. I, I know that there's great stuff out there now, but, but you know, I'm, I'm familiar with this, and it makes me feel good. Yeah. And is it the... The albums that you listed for us, do you tend to go back? Do you remember the ones you, you heads, sent us? Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. The the, the new wave stuff. I, I like, I'm of course, like the British Invasion stuff, the, the, the Beatles and the Stones and the Kinks and the Who. I love that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And all the uh, kind of the, the grunge and DIY garage bands of the 90s. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and anything a little weird and quirky, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> really? I have a place in my heart for sure. <laughs> The song that struck me that I'd never heard before was um, Snowball. Snowball. It's such a not about cocaine. No, <laughs> surprisingly for that surprisingly time. for that time, not about cocaine. It was as some some people said it was sort of a allusion to the Sisyphus myth. Yes. Yeah, they they did go. Uh, this album celebrates the classics, which uh, Freedom of Choice talks about the poem from Rome. Right. Uh, and this one is very Sisyphus-like, but it's also just an interesting take on that. The girl that he loves is 
uh, takes his love and rolls it up a hill, and it gets bigger, and like then a it metaphor. falls. Like a like a, it's almost <laughs> like it's a almost metaphor. like a metaphor. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sweet, endearing, and there's another way to read it, which is also. Uh, futility, futility, of- <laughs> useless, and right. but it's also sad. Along with this sort of bouncy, uh, fun, uh, the f- bouncy fun beat. I-, I heard that they got the idea for this song while watching some kind of nature show on TV about a dung beetle rolling a ball up a hill. Really? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So now I'm, you cannot sure get that, that like, thought out of your mind. Yeah. When you this Girlfriend is a dung beetle. Or <laughs> I feel like if there the was dung. a video for this, that would show up in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In that video. Um. Oh yeah, we were talking about. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Boogie Boy. Boogie Boy. Yeah, it scared me a little bit as a kid. <laughs> oh, still continues to. Scare. I don't continue. like. I wish masks. I had a Boogie Boy mask. Wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> what oh, if I just man. turned and oh. said that to you, and you no. were wearing the mask? <laughs> we're all Dio. <laughs> <laughs> you would see me cry. Yeah, I would cry. Remember the first song that you wanted to? Um, Where you went? I want to do that, or yeah, yeah, like that made you want to be in music. That made me want to be in music. That's uh, a weird, a very weird way of phrasing yeah, I don't, it. No, I, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, you know, I've I've enjoyed I music since well. I was a small child, and yeah. you know. Uh, I listened to a lot of Elton John in my early teen years and, uh, again, a lot of the British Invasion stuff, which, you know, always inspired me. I mean, I think I had my rock star fantasies like every other kid, like singing into their hairbrush in the bathroom mirror. But sure. I, I didn't think that was really what was going to happen with me. I yeah. was caught doing that once by um, I had set up I had somehow at a music stand and I taped a fake my or whatever, like maybe a hairbrush, got a tennis racket and attached a little cable to it so I looked like I was playing guitar and had a mic. Nice. And this, I don't know how she had the courage to do this, or but she came over to my house, knocked on the door. I didn't know she was coming over and then let herself in, walked up the stairs and looked into my room where I was <laughs> full on. Wait, who is she? This is a girl that I knew. A the girl. talent scout for uh, <laughs> Solid Gold? For, yeah. She's holding Madam. Um, uh, and she was like, uh, I, th- I, th- I thought I-, I would just come over and hang out. And, and uh, this was middle school. Aww. And I, I felt so... I, knew, I think she was interested in me. And I felt like she's probably not interested <laughs> in me anymore. She just saw me at my worst moment. That's adorable, yeah. though. Aww. That's very cute. Were you, were you like, no, no, I'm just masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> With my tennis racket. <laughs> just come back. I'm not interested in you. <laughs> so uh, embarrassing. So embarrassing. Yeah, because your your first instrument was accordion, maybe your only instrument. Is, is the your, only good instrument. I, yeah. play, <laughs> I play a couple of things not so well. And so growing up with uh, listening to Yellow Brick Road and to, because I think that was one of the albums you, you, you sent to, did you, what was it like to kind of play an instrument that was not necessarily part of that world and still love rock and roll? Did it yeah. ever tempt you to play guitar or anything like that? Yeah. Oh. 
I mean, I, I mean, that was the only thing I knew how to play was the accordion, and yeah. I learned early on that nobody wanted an accordion player in their rock band. <laughs> I, I tried. You knocked on every door. Yeah, well, I, I tried a couple times. You know, I had some friends that were musically inclined. They come That's on true. over, we'll jam. They're like, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's so great. Uh, you, you may not find it courageous, but I, I find it courageous to just pick an instrument like that and just fall in love with it and not never never get swayed by that kind of stuff it so. is like I, we talk about that a lot of like wanting to be cool or how we're viewed and i i think about that a lot from high school of just wanting to be liked and be cool and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't it's such matter. a not that you weren't cool but <laughs> i don't know i mean did I mean, people... I, sh I should have learned how to play guitar at some point in my life. I, I never really got into it because once I even got a band, I was like, well, I've got a guitar player, so I don't need to learn how to do that. No, yeah. no. But I mean, I've done enough videos and live performances where I'm supposed to look like I'm playing guitar. <laughs> right. and people make fun of me because I really don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> right, and the Money for Nothing uh, parody you had to, you were That was such a perfect parody video of that song. <laughs> If you did pick up another instrument, do you think you could learn it faster than a normal, than well, me? Maybe a little <laughs> bit. I mean, just because I know a bit of music theory and, uh, you know, yeah, probably a little bit quicker. Yeah. Although it's it's a little alien to me because my fingers are used to keys and buttons and, and strings uh, would take a little bit of getting used to. But, yeah. but as far as the music theory, I mean, part of that's there already, of course. Yeah. You get to go to tell all those people who asked, why aren't you learning guitar? You can just tell them I hire guitar players. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Cardi B. Cardi B was asked, uh, oh, yeah. how, how is it being a mother and a musician? Or oh, is no. it hard finding balance? And oh, she just went, no. I'm a fucking millionaire. Is <laughs> 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 the best answer. Uh, I mean, it's a point. terrible paraphrasing, but like her answer was so honest. And so of, of course, like she can do everything yeah, because she's, she's a millionaire. Like yeah. it's, it's a... How do I balance, balance family life and a career? How do I do it? Uh, yeah. How do I do it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I hire people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, is that hard to go on tour for so long? You know, it, it is difficult. I mean, it was a different kind of thing going on the road in my 20s and 30s when I was sure. single. Uh, and now, you know, I've got a, a daughter, I've got a wife, and, and we don't... Um, we, we tried to do a thing where we made it more humane. Like, my, my tours go on for months and months. And we thought, oh, well, you know, let's go on the road for two weeks and take a week off, and two weeks and take a week off. We tried that once. Yeah. Because, and the problem with that is... Um, during those weeks off, we're still paying for buses and trucks and everybody's still on payroll. Yeah, it just <laughs> and, doesn't, yeah. Uh, and at the end of the tour, we go, hum, how come we lost money in this tour? <laughs> <laughs> so which, the, the reason now is like when we go on the, when we're on the road, we're on the road. So it's just, you know, if, if my family wants to, to, to see me, they look at their calendars and go, okay, we'll do this weekend in, in Pittsburgh and yeah. <laughs> they figure it out. And do you have on the road with you musicians that you've been playing with for since the beginning? It's the same guy. I've had the same band since uh, the, uh, the early 80s. Right. That's amazing. That's right. And, uh, and, and this tour, uh, we're working with, uh, for the first time, I'm traveling with background singers. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I thought we'd just kind of uh, hire, uh, you know, just generic background singers. But I was lucky enough to get the three women that sang on my records with me, Lisa Popeil, Monique oh. Donnelly, and uh, Scotty Haskell. That's They're coming amazing. on the road with me, which was going to be great. Uh, I, I have to say the, the orchestras I'm playing with I have not met before. Yeah. <laughs> so this you is, go ahead. Oh yeah. So each 
con- each concert you're doing in a different city is with a different orchestra. I believe that's the case. Oh. Uh, we're certainly not traveling with a b- 17 buses <laughs> full Why? of yeah, <laughs> from, from the moment that I announced I was doing this orchestral tour, like my Twitter feed and my emails and DMs were filled with, you know, my cousin plays the viola. Um, it's like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Um, so you, I noticed on your tour schedule, you're going to play in San Antonio, which is my hometown. Yeah. At the Majestic Theater. Have you played? I played there many times. I love the Majestic Theater. It's gorgeous. uh, uh, My mom, before she passed uh, years ago, uh, was president of the board of the San Antonio Symphony. So maybe you will be playing with the San Antonio Symphony, maybe? That, you know, uh, for uh, a good number of the shows, we're doing branded orchestras. That would be one of them. Okay. And for the ones that aren't branded, uh, we put together the the, uh, symphony members in each city. Gotcha. Uh, San Antonio is is home of my wife's old alma mater. She went to Trinity. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, Trinity is a great school. I didn't go there. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't vouch for it. Uh, well, I was excited to see that. You're going to be in, um, at the Greek theater here. Oh, you're playing, I also noticed you're playing the Greek in Berkeley and then the Greek here. I'm right doing now. a Greek tour, yes. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Do you still, people ask us this, I think, for improv of like, do we still get butterflies before our shows? And, and the answer is usually no. For right. for us for improv, it, it only if my my any of my family is in the audience, yeah. that is when the butterflies. Happen. Yeah, or an out of the ordinary show. But yeah. do you like? How do you feel mentally before going to a show? Do you still? Uh, no, I still get that. I still yeah. absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and and uh, before every show, I get nervous. Some more than others. I mean, for like the L.A. and New York shows, especially because I know if I got friends and yeah. critics and everybody else in the audience, that's a little bit more uh, pressure. Um, and especially if I'm doing something new. So the first couple weeks of a tour, I, I try to encourage my friends not to see one of my very first shows on a yeah. tour yeah. That unless you like a lot of flop sweat <laughs> maybe wait till later on after I've like you know but it, it is very nerve wracking which is one of the reasons I love the last tour so much because the, uh, the the vanity tour uh, the whole vibe was so different it wasn't like the big show it was like lit- scaled down it was literally the band walks out on stage we sit down on stools and we just play music yeah. which I'd never done that before uh, and I, I couldn't <laughs> up until this point in my career because nobody would have stood for it <laughs> but it was, it was so great because it was just so intimate and just like hey guys hanging out what do you want to hear you know it was just very casual mm. and I love that because uh, particularly because I hate being stressed and that was the least stressful of all my tours because it was just just kind of like hanging out in your living room yeah so with the the new with working with uh, orchestras what is the rehearsal process like for that have you been since the band is going to be or the orchestra is going to be changing the, uh, the, it, it kind of blows my mind uh, the band of course will rehearse a bit before yeah. the, the, the tour the orchestra is probably will not see the music until the afternoon of the show Amazing. Amazing. which you know and I did two orchestral shows already I played the Hollywood Bowl for two nights a couple of years ago with an orchestra which was one of the reasons why I decided to do this tour because it was such an amazing experience cool. yeah. but yeah it was the same kind of thing it was like they showed up that afternoon here's your sheet music and we ran through it once and like okay now in front of 20,000 people <laughs> amazing wow. I'm so jealous of that I'm not I tried to learn piano when I was a kid and my brain can't do it I can't do the two different things with two hands and feet and I'm so jealous of that I <laughs> wish I could play guitar or accordion or uh, I mean 
Let's start naming instruments. Um, <laughs> I'll do two. Glockenspiel, uh, vibraslap, uh, flexitone. Okay. Glockenspiel is pretty good at in elementary school. I'm not gonna lie. I was Where, pretty did you good play at that? Uh, I, we had like a bunch of different. You know, it was just like grab an instrument, so everybody oh, okay. would just grab. Like it wasn't consistent. So yeah. I, I was. Maybe I'm bragging. Glockenspiel is I mean, weird because it's considered a percussion instrument, but is it's it? a keyboard, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. Where do yeah, you stand on that, the yeah, Glockenspiel? <laughs> I got lots of hot takes Duality. on the Glockenspiel. <laughs> In terms of like bands like Devo, where you're a fan of this band, but also being a musician, do you like the fact that you like know them and have met them and uh, like that they loved your version of their music? Does it make you listen to their music differently? I don't know that it does. I mean, I was a fan before. I'm a fan now. And I think it's really cool, whatever kind of interactions we've had. Um, but I don't think it really colors my perception or appreciation of their music. I mean, I've always just really enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think about that with comedy a lot because we are friends that make great things. They're still great things. I still enjoy listening to our friends' podcasts or right. their comedy shows or whatever. And um, it is interesting, though, to like know the people it, it makes you watch or for me it makes me watch things just a little bit differently mm-hmm. getting to like know them as people and then seeing them do their thing that they're so good at yeah i remember watching i was a big who fan uh, in the right when they had their farewell tour in the early 80s i became a <laughs> good fan timing. yeah i was like i'll never see them um and i went my brother and i went and saw them a couple of years ago and i sat front row second row and i got to see i, I love just watching them uh, Roger Daltrey at one point just said off mic, oh, I'm knackered in the middle of the concert. Nobody heard it except for the people in the front first two rows. And I, you can I, actually hear him. Yeah. I heard him just say, Oh God, I'm knackered. <laughs> um, and it was in the middle of the set and I totally believe it because he's got a huge task during a, a full, uh, Two hour plus sure. the Who show, yeah. um, but I loved seeing those, those them. As, uh, microphones aren't going to swing themselves. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. But I think it, I, part, what I really what struck me was what I liked about it was just seeing them as human beings and not just the yeah. the the image that they that I've seen that is not completely them. So I think I like meeting or seeing uh, the musicians interact. I remember watching the drummer and he just said a bad word right after a song because he didn't feel it went well. But for me, I was like, it went well, but I get it that you... Uh, you're a human being. This yeah. is good. For, for the next time, I'm going to walk out on stage and go, oh, my back. Oh, man. <laughs> and just oh, look God. at the audience to see who heard you. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard up here. <laughs> who makes you nervous? You do a little bit. I'm just a do little... I'm very intimidating. Yeah. Very intimidating. But well, there, I mean, uh, the, the people that I get... I, I don't get stage or um, starstruck so much. I yeah. Mean, uh, I enjoy meeting, you know, the people that, I, uh, that I'm fans of. But the only people I get just like flabbergasted by are people that I idolized when I was a kid. Like, the, the you know, I, I've met Paul McCartney a couple of times and I try my best to be normal around him because I'm sure that's what he would appreciate. Yeah. You know, just let's just have a conversation like just normal humans. And and I try, but my, my interior voice is going, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was actually talking about that last night with some people, and I picked Robert De Niro. Not that I'm, because I'm a, as a person who I would just lose any articulation abilities. Not because I'm just this rabid Robert De Niro fan, <laughs> but only because I don't think he would help in the conversation to relax me. Yeah. <laughs> he would just stare at me until I walked away. I think that's <laughs> that, that's what I would it would make it worse in a way. <laughs> Is there a band that you want to see that you haven't seen? That I haven't seen. Oh. That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't go out to a lot of shows these days anymore because, yeah. like, again, having a family, any any time I have to leave the house, it's a major deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to think. Who haven't I? Yeah, like a, like a band that's still performing. Yeah, yeah. Well, while you're thinking about it, I, I I got a text last night from a friend that was like, I'm at a bar down the street if you guys want to come out. And it's the first time since having my baby that it just made me laugh where like <laughs> where it was it was like the old the old life a little bit of just like what do you want me to do with my child like it was such a weird like i'm just i'm just here hanging out if you want to come down i'm like i, no I i'm one i'm in my pajamas and i've been in my pajamas since four <laughs> two my baby's sleeping it was just such a weird it was such a like wonderful lovely invite but i was like that's not Give me, give me uh, four days to find a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't have an answer to your question. That's I, okay. The, the closest answer I can think of was it just reminded me of what is now a traumatic experience. When I was in college, uh, two of my favorite bands were, as we mentioned, Talking Heads and the, and, uh, the B-52s. And they happened to be playing in Pismo Beach, which is like a 12-mile drive from my college. Uh, in the theater, ticket price, $5. And I was like, ah, I'd like to go, but i got to study for this test. <laughs> I have no idea what the test was. I'm sure it didn't affect my life at all. But the fact that I turned down seeing Talking Heads <laughs> yeah. and 352s for five bucks in Pismo Beach will haunt me forever. Yeah. And it should. And it should. And it should. Yeah. Have you ever seen Talking Heads? No, because they, they broke up, you know, before I had a chance to. Yeah. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped making sense of one of my all-time favorite movies, though. Um, so good. So good. Did you see David Byrne on the last the tour that he just no, did. That's a good thing. I, I've never actually, I've seen you know, like, you know, uh, concert films and concert movies on, you know, on my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never actually seen him live in person. So that, that's a good, I'll call, I'll, let's go with David. If Burke. you could go back in time, you should go see it because it was uh, amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of these rooms has a time machine. Sure. Uh, now should we do yeah. uh, what we learned today? Yeah. yeah so. Uh, oh, wait, let me ask. Sorry. Do you have any last thoughts on this album? Well, um, it's okay if not. Before uh, you're killed, before you're killed, <laughs> any last thoughts? I have so many thoughts, but I don't know any that would be like a good good button to this. Uh, there doesn't show. need to be. I'll take care of that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now so we'll go around and talk about what we learned today. Um, oh, what it's like to tour with an orchestra in every in quote unquote every town. That those guys just just need to show up and. Read the music a couple of hours before and they're fine. Amazing. I'm lying alone with my head on the phone. I learned that Joel loves Air Supply way more than I thought he did. Like a lot <laughs> this has more. This got to be it. I don't think there's another song that is going to make its way. It was those two songs that were so... It's so good. I didn't know you were a DJ or that you yeah. were a DJ at uh, your college radio station. Um, at Cal Poly, which when I was looking at colleges, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I was looking at colleges and I 
looked at Cal Poly, got there, and people were too dressed up for me. Too dressed up? Yeah, and this was like um, 97, 98, when I was looking at schools, and it was like, girls had, it was like uh, 10, 9 or 10 in the morning when my mom and I drove up, and girls were like wearing makeup and shoes really shoes but it would like put me off for some reason I have good friends that went there and it doesn't they don't give off that vibe at all oh, they but change. I, everybody was barefoot when I was going I, and school. I bet it was I think I just went on a weird day because I think I just saw that and I was like no, no yeah. I don't want to wear shoes it was, it was probably one on prom day yeah was just a- <laughs> if, if you were to have been an architect what do you feel at some point in the four years that you were there, do you feel like, oh, this is the type of architect that I would be? Yeah, I like the, the odd buildings. You know, I'm, like, yeah. I'm still a, a fan of, uh, you know, Frank Gehry and things like that. Yeah. Um, I did my senior project on a guy named Richard Meyer, who was, a, uh, he designed the Getty Center yeah. here in L.A. And uh, th- this house that we're in right now, my house, uh, is sort of a Richard Meyer knockoff. It's just like very simple, clean lines. So I, I liked, uh, I, I did like modern architecture, although if you're a working ar- architect, you basically work on whatever yeah. <laughs> they yeah. give you. Yeah, they give you, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Architect is a... Very much a go-to uh, improv job. I oh, feel yeah, like in improv scenes. <laughs> like, I'm an architect. Yeah, I'm an architect. No follow-up questions. <laughs> You're an architect slash proctologist. <laughs> <and> go. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, did you happen to learn anything? You didn't have to, but if no, did you... I, I did. I, I learned that the Devo now is forever in my mind. Uh, connected with the Jim Blossoms uh, <laughs> because they both have such an affinity for racetrack shows. <laughs> I'm honored. Look for Al Yankovic on a Strings Attached tour this summer. Al, where can everybody go for information on the tour or anything else, Al Yankovic? WeirdAl.com is your one-stop shop if you want any info about the tour. Perfect. Al Yankovic, thank you so much for My joining pleasure. us. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at this particular album. Follow us on Twitter at particular album. The show is produced by me, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by James Mulholland. Music by me, Joel Spence. See you next time. Campfire.